Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. This is episode 206. We're happy you could join us. We've got a very special guest uh, this week, so we're very excited. So let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. Hey, I'm Sarizel. I'm a co-host here on the show, and uh, I finally saw Infinity War this weekend. Fantastic. And Bate, who is currently driving and not wrecking his car. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Bate, and uh, I'm a Florida man, and I have not seen Infinity War this weekend. I haven't either, so no spoilers yet. I'm going to try to get to it next weekend. Jason, you're up. Okay. Hey, it's Jason, and uh, I'm also one of the co-hosts here on Biomass, and uh, I am not from Florida, nor am I driving, and I have seen Infinity Wars. Uh, So yet again, we have our full gamut of everybody from the 19-slash-20-year-old college student all the way up to the old 42-year-old man that I am uh, here running the show. Sounds good. And I... I am Pokey Draven. I help host the show here. I do our Let's Play Dungeon Crawl series with Livy on YouTube. And uh, I have not seen Infinity War, like I said, but I have been playing a lot of God of War lately, which is an awesome game. But I would like to have someone introduce our very special guest, uh, Mike McCain. Uh, Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us where you're from and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm Mike. I'm the game director of Battletech here at Harebrained Schemes. Uh, uh, I'm a Washington native, uh, and I'm up here in Seattle, and I work on games. And I have seen Infinity War. Well done, sir. He did his homework. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike unlike half of the hosts on the show, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no. Okay, all right, right, Mike, I've got to ask you. So give us your hot take. Like, uh, no spoilers. What do you think about Infinity War? Gosh, uh, no spoilers is tough, to be honest. Um, okay, uh, other than what's obvious that, that is going to happen in the movie. <laughs> uh, I was entertained. I, I think, um, you know, I, I saw it the weekend after we launched Battletech, so I definitely needed something to just sort of decompress and uh, uh, enjoy myself at the theater. And, and I think uh, I think it delivered on that front. I, as a movie, I, I think I've got a... <laughs> A long list of stuff to to talk about, but that's uh, that's all spoiler territory. So. No, no, okay. Well, I here's here's this is one of the things that we kicked around the other day. Um, what do you think, uh, or, or how do you think they did in terms of mixing all of the different sort of uh, kind of sub like sub properties they had in the Marvel universe? Because they all have like really different tones, you know, like you know, sort of Captain America, Winter Soldier, very sort of serious, almost sort of an espionage kind of espionage movie kind of feel to it, like early mission impossible to Thor went, which went from all the way from Shakespearean to pretty funny to guardians of the galaxy. All of them have really different tones. How well did you thought, how, how well did you think uh, they mixed that in the movie? I thought they did pretty well. Uh, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I feel like they've been sort of converging on, on the, the guardians of the galaxy tone ever since the the first movie came out. So I think you know you can sort of track the drift of all Marvel movies towards that. I, I feel like, uh, and uh, and I, so I thought this movie pulled it all together pretty well. Uh, That's pretty was cool. Over- That's pretty- was it overdone as far as the whole Guardians of the Galaxy uh, uh, vibe? I guess goes. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> there's just so much going on in the movie. Like I, I. <laughs> I uh, was a little overwhelmed. I, I guess it felt like a really long episode of Game of Thrones uh, in, in some sense. That, so many characters I, and locations. I can totally see that, yeah. This this definitely this movie definitely does not hold your hand. 
Like it makes it makes no 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 bones about the fact that if you haven't seen the previous like what eighteen Marvel movies, you you're gonna miss something. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intense. Okay, all right, that's a, that's pretty good for a hot take on the on the Infinity War, man. Like like I said, we we're we're generally uh, you know positive reviews from the half of us that have seen the show. That staring at the other screen names right now. But uh, it's pretty solid, man. It's actually a really good uh, sort of nerd vibe. So, I, if you don't mind, we'll what do we like? We can probably hop right into a, a couple hard questions for you. Like, can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Hairbrain Schemes? Uh, that is a tough question. Uh, it varies a little day by day, I suppose. Uh, I think, you know, we're a very collaborative studio here uh, at Hairbrain, so game direction is is very much not uh, showing up in the morning with the the stone tablets that have the the game design uh, writ upon them it, it's uh, uh, I'd say it's much more of like a, a curation and uh, just it, it's like it's my job to uh, hold the the high level vision for the product and to try to guide the team's efforts in uh, in a cohesive direction and, and to push and pull on the game where I see it needing it uh, and so that can involve everything from I come in and I answer e- emails and 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 have meetings all day to you know there, there's areas of the game that that I I was more hands on with like cinematics uh, to yeah uh, <laughs> working late hours. Uh, <laughs> A lot, uh, yeah. So it's just kind of all over the place for me, but but I think that is part of what uh, part of what I like about this job, and and I think what uh, part of what I hope a lot of people like about working here is we're a small enough studio that everyone has uh, some different hats that they get to wear uh, around here. Now that's I think that's a that's a great point. So one of the things we um, we, we had a great time by the way about a year ago, a little over a year ago, with uh, when Mitch Gittleman came on and, and kind of talked to us. Um, and, and we had a drinking? say again. Oh, I asked if he was drinking or not. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I should well, be doing that too. Well, well, the reality is, like at least every other show, we are too. So yeah, it, it worked, it worked out well. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna work from if you're gonna do some podcasting from home, you might as well have a scotch. It kind of works out. But uh, what what are the kind of the our guy on the road? Hopefully, you're you're not doing that. Yeah. Well, he's he's also underage too. So let's that's that's a that's a different story. <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> oh, dude, come on. Like yeah. alcohol. We we do we actually we, we actually kind of int- somewhat intentionally set this up by the way, Mike. So we have this um, just for the record, like the four of us, we cover four different very different parts of the U.S. So Pokey's out in the uh, the deserts, out in the uh, the Southwest. Zell's up in Chicago, uh, and then Bates down in he's down in Florida. And I'm I actually move around a lot. I'm, I'm in the military, so I move about every two years. So I lived up around where you, not too far from you, about an hour from you for about the last six years. Then I moved down to, um, to, to Georgia for a couple of years and I'm about to move again this summer. So we t- tend to cover that. And we also tend to cover a way, an age range, which I kind of mentioned earlier is like from college age up to, you know, kind of grizzled veteran where I'm at and it's in everybody in between. So it's, uh, we, we try to try to have an open ended audience, very, very progressive in terms of that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, that's cool. So um, now, one of the things you kind of that we kind of picked up from Mitch was uh, the tone of Hairbrain Schemes, which I think really shined through in a lot of your a lot of your earlier games and a lot of your on, ongoing games. We've heavily reviewed a lot of the original Shadowrun and Dragonfall stuff. We had a, a great uh, 
a re really well-received kind of Twitch run of Necropolis, which for the record, that, that, that was a, a really fun and incredibly frustrating game, by the way. Yeah. Um, so that, that, uh, we've had a, well. yeah, I can imagine we've had a lot of great, uh, great experiences with the HBS. And one of the things that we kind of talked about before you came on, uh, as we kind of followed the studio was, it seems like the tone of what goes on inside the studio really comes through in the game. Like whatever the personality or the culture that's in Hairbrain Schemes really seems to penetrate into the, the products that you guys make. And you kind of touched on it, a very collaborative sort of open uh, kind of environment. You guys have a relatively small team up there, don't you? We do. Yeah, we're about uh, 45, uh, 45 people right now. And, you know, that, that's fluctuated a little bit over the years. But, uh, but yeah, right, right now it's all hands on Battletech, uh, as it were. Now, that's uh, it. And this is, I, I, I guess, something that uh, it's one of those like intangibles. It's really kind of hard to hard to, uh, to kind of put your finger on. But there's definitely a personality to HBS games and how and i assume that's probably really driven by the just the people that are working on it and kind of a lot of what you said like the constraints of maybe a, a little bit smaller team you're it's much more it feels like much more integrated in terms of how how things are working and kind of like I said the personality of the game so i was kind of curious if you could tell us a little bit about uh, where you how you got into the game gaming industry and it seems like this is a pretty cool little nugget that you work you work for Hairbrain Schemes. That sounds like a a really awesome place to work, just in terms of the vibe there and really the products you build. So, how did you get into the sort of game development sort of business and find your way into HBS? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, first of all, I'd say absolutely that the the tone and character of our games uh, comes straight from the the passion of the team, and and that's that's really something that that. Uh, that we're proud of and that uh, I think as a smaller team, we have a unique opportunity to build something where we can put that sort of direct uh, uh, just passion and, and fresh ideas into a game that um, maybe doesn't get shaved down uh, around all the edges like like some larger games do. And, you know, there's there's good and bad aspects of that. But uh, um but yeah, that that's really exciting. So you know, I, I uh, actually went to school for uh, computer science. Uh, so I came, I, I grew up in Eastern Washington, uh, came up to Seattle for school, and uh, uh, discovered animation. I think uh, watching The Incredibles was the first, uh, the oh, first thing. Oh, cool. Animated. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think the first moment I had where I was like, oh yeah, I should do art and animation, and this seems like a really cool industry, and you know, I, I'd always uh, uh, filled sketchbooks with stupid robots and, and whatever when I was a kid, but uh, I don't think I ever really grokked the idea that there was that this could be a career path, if that makes sense. Like my my exposure had been like uh, fawning over the the illustrations in uh, the old like Blizzard game manuals. I used to try to like copy those a lot when I was a kid. Um, and stuff like that, but then it was it wasn't until I was in college and, and seeing that film, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that if people are making these games, that means people do this for a living. Maybe I could too. Um, so yeah, so there was a uh, animation program at UW that I got into and and was ended up sort of 
learning animation through that program and, and also doing some art, digital art on the side. Uh, and when I graduated, uh, a classmate of mine had been taking a class from Jordan and uh, had, had oh, cool. put me in touch and, and you know, Jordan was, was uh, I guess, saw something in my portfolio at the time. I, I, I shudder to think about what it looked like, uh, but, uh, uh, and, you know, he contracted me for a little bit of concept uh, artwork for some pitch uh, uh, development stuff he was working on. And uh, I've been sort of either directly within or within a, a couple uh, steps of, of his uh, uh, orbit uh, ever since, I guess. No, that's okay. You're referring to Jordan Wiseman, who's uh, who I, I don't know how to describe him other than uh, if there is a, you know, some form of a gaming thing, either digital or uh, tabletop or RPG you know, over the last probably what, 30 years, there's, there's a, there's a chance that he's had a, that he's touched it even peripherally. Yeah, he's, he's, he has been around for a while. <laughs> yeah, I know Jordan's, uh, Jordan's amazing. His, uh, so I think, uh, the first I think battle check was his, was his first real sort of breakout, uh, hit. I could be wrong about that, but, um, it was certainly the, the biggest, uh, of the facet properties back in the day, and, and BattleTech was mid '80s, uh, followed by Shadowrun, I think 1989 or 1990. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Crimson Crimson Skies was in there at some point. By the as way, well. great mobile game, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a great mobile game too. Do you guys put that out? Oh, uh, Crimson Steam Pirates. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's really yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to be confused with Crimson Skies, although. Ah, okay. Okay. I, the title is not a coincidence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it could be partially confused, uh, but they are, uh, uh, yeah, separate things. We uh, so I, I don't have any uh, history with the Crimson Skies franchise, but uh, okay, yeah, Crimson Steam Pirates was uh, was the first game that uh, HBS uh, officially made as a as a company, which was oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, a busy twelve weeks. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. I can imagine. So now you, you kind of. You kind of let us know like how you kind of got into this. So, what you know, what other properties have you have you directly worked on with HBS, if you don't mind? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Crimson Steam Pirates was our first game. We made a, a mobile game called Strike Fleet Omega, uh, where you were sort of commanding this little fleet of uh, ships, a little bit like Homeworld um, uh, meets a tower defense game, I guess. Um, okay. And then uh, after that, we uh, kickstarted Shadowrun Returns, which is really uh, was a big pivot point for the studio. And you know, it, it's it's crazy looking back on the last like six and a half years of of this journey at Hairbrain because that was a major turning point, right? Um, oh yeah, we I... we put it out there for like four hundred thousand dollars. We were hoping to get. Uh, hey, oh, brother, I, I gotta tell you you guys got it like a black belt in kickstarter that is like your, your track record with uh highly successful kickstarter uh game properties is i i don't know that anybody's replicated that or come remotely close to it by the way and we, we've actually kind of looked around and just to just to see if there's a comparison we can't find one Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, it was certainly trial by fire and learning by jumping into the deep end, <laughs> but I'm glad we came out of it uh, doing all right. Um, 
think Obsidian's done pretty well too. Uh, yeah, they, well, they have. They've, they've definitely they, they take a different tact in terms of how they you know sort of the type of properties they're working on in terms of how they're developing out. I've, I've worked uh, or I've actually played some of Obsidian stuff from like way back ago. Uh, they're they're pretty solid, but I think from a cradle to grave standpoint, like the way you guys do it, uh, which is uh, for lack of a better term, I call it a la carte game design. Like you tell people, here's a very a very direct meter in terms of if you hit this funding level, it delivers this. And I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure that you guys have missed any of those marks in any of the games where you've publicly put that out. Not that I'm, not that I can see anyway. Uh, well, thank you. I, I guess uh, it. I think we've done well by and large. I think there's a few things that that uh, sort of the contents of game have shifted during development, kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's hard to entirely avoid, but but we've we've just tried it every step of the way to be to be open and and fair to the the community that supported us and and uh, you know Shadow and Returns, for example, famously we offered a, a second city in the Kickstarter. Uh, uh, campaign um we thought oh that'd be really cool and then you know we got to to developing and we we're like oh shit uh <laughs> are, how are you guys on on profanity by the way so uh we, we use it fairly liberally and we don't bleep anything out unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> cool um but yeah so you know we got into development we're like well there is no way we're making a, a second city in time um and so we we felt bad, you know, because that had been a major uh, draw for a lot of people. Um, and you know, we had a vote for for what that would be and everything. Uh, but that you know, turns out that's what led to Dragonfall. And so we were able to to rally behind that as all right. Well, we're not putting a second city in this first game, but we're going to make this really cool DLC that that happens in Berlin. It's actually going to be even bigger than you know Second City otherwise would have been. And uh, uh, yeah, really, just new game. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and it, as Mitch is, uh, will often point out, it's uh, it wasn't necessarily the smartest business move we could have made because uh, you know it's about forty thousand copies uh, uh, that we were giving away for free. But but we, you know, we felt like that was that was fair for the the Kickstarter commitment we made, and uh, and it also let us make a, a really cool game. So. Nah, I'm with you. I, th I think I think that's one of those things where like those kind of decisions, you know, take small non-financially based solace in this but like those kind of decisions early uh that i think really cemented where you guys are at with a lot of the gaming fans that that uh, use some of your products um so now i i've i've got to ask this is this is one of the things that we always we always wonder about when we're uh when we're talking about any game like whether a game is really good or really bad not so much the ones in the middle but literally like when a game's really good or a game's really bad you always want to know like what were what were the original the original concept discussions like? What did you guys originally really want to do um, in terms of the game that actually was ultimately produced? So um, for BattleTech, which by the way uh, we've like uh, let's see, Zell and I have played it. Uh, I've played it probably fairly extensively at this point, and everybody's got quite a bit of coverage from the Q and A's uh, and kind of the streams that you guys have done. Which by the way. Kudos to you for a really transparent development process with, with oh, the, cool. uh, the folks. Um, so we, we've got a lot of general knowledge about Battletech the game. I'm probably the most well-steeped in it. I was a longtime tabletop player like many moons ago. So can you tell us a little bit about kind of the original discussions? Like, you know, you guys all get in the, uh, the quote-unquote smoke-filled room. 
And they're like, you know, somebody comes in, you know, like, you know, the Lord commander comes in with an eye patch and a cigar and he goes, all right, boys, we're going to do robots and they're big. So like, how does that kind of discussion actually occur? And like, what was that original uh, chat about with Battletech? Yeah, well, hey, I'm going to turn it around on you really quick first. Uh, as, as a longtime tabletop player, uh, how did how did you feel about where we ended up? Like, what was your sense of playing Battletech the PC game compared to to your tabletop experience? Ooh, OK, so so this is so this is kind of cool. You're actually like uh, shooting shooting us off at the pass here. We're actually going to do a live review of your game at some point. But uh, I'll give you my my initial my initial thought is this. I think that that was about as good of a translation you could do from something you play around a kitchen table with a lot of dice and some relatively complex mechanics, you know, from way back ago into a fairly modern digital take. Uh, The changes that I saw made in terms of things like you more or less initiative or how action points are used per like mech. I thought that was very unique. Uh, it's a very novel approach to how you did it versus how it was kind of done in the old tabletop game. And which, by the way, we, we actually had a question about that later. Um, like some of those kind of unique things that you guys translated. Uh, overall, it was really good. What in terms of the tactical play? And in fact, I think you get more depth tactically because the game kind of does a lot of it for you that was a pain in the butt to do uh, on your tabletop, you know, like ha- trying to have different elevations and, you know, well, different yeah, kind yeah, of environmental yeah. things, that kind of stuff. Um, oh, cool. Thanks. But one of the, but, you know, in terms of like sort of the, you know, the dice rolling behind the scene, I, I felt like I, I had more agency in the video game because you, it was easier for me conceptually to put my mechs in a tactical position and try to get, to get a win. My, one of my small beefs, and I have about three small beefs with the game, that, that is the, the RNG is flipping ruthless, though. Uh, so it is. So that that's one of the that's one of the things that that um, I, it does translate well, but you almost don't want it to in some cases. Uh, so overall, I thought it was good. Now, what I will say that doesn't um, that I didn't have an appreciation for in the tabletop that I do now. Uh, like we didn't play a lot of the kind of the, 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 the Merc economy or like, you know, there's, you know, the more RPGs type elements of Battletech, mm-hmm. uh, whereas you guys get into one of the things that I will say is that, uh, that is almost a game unto itself is like just the management of your Merc company. And, and it's hard. <laughs> Well, it's the economy of damage too. All Correct. Of a sudden you've yeah. got to pay the bill for all the the uh, hits that you soak up on mission. Right. So you like like when I was in college playing or in high school playing BattleTech, that was all just yeah yeah way because no, one we hated math, we didn't want to deal with it, and we just want to like you know we were it was sort of like Monopoly for a nerd. You know what I mean? We're we're playing <laughs> yeah, you know, totally. we're playing big stompy robot lasers, uh, which works out well. So a lot of that stuff on the backside in terms of like you know like I said the damage economy or what does it take to pay to 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 cut paychecks to different mech pilots? You know that kind of thing. That was I'd never seen that that translated into the game. Uh, it is a great addition and it adds an incredible amount of depth slash occasional frustration. Um, <laughs> but it, it's so overall, I think it is really good. I can definitely see that you guys made design choices that departed from the tabletop more for fun and realities of a video game. And I'm pretty cool with it. So I didn't really have any beefs that, 
you know, from that angle. So I thought it was a, a, overall really good. It's probably one of the better, uh, you know, tabletop to video game translations I've seen. I'm a huge fan of the old isometric D and D games, like the like all the Baldur's Gate stuff, and oh, you know, I love all, that. Yeah. huge fan of those, like Torment, you know, Planescape yeah. Torment. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was I was very interested to see how you guys would take, which in my mind is a much more complex combat system than what you have in like a D20 system. How does that work? I think you guys did pretty well. Cool. that's great to hear. And and I mean, I think I, I kind of. Uh... I cheated. I think I let you half answer the question for me. <laughs> but you hit on, I think you hit on pretty much the major things. Like, you know, anytime you're taking something that's designed for a, a social around the table dice rolling experience and, and putting it in a different medium, then, then that, that uh, poses some questions and some, some decision points. And, uh, you know, from the beginning, we, we said we wanted to make a game that felt true to Battletech. Um, but that uh, that wasn't uh, an adaptation, right? Uh, I think we tried to be very clear about that in the Kickstarter, and and then moving forward, our, our we had a bunch of uh, goal statements that that we set out for combat that were all about maintaining the the feel of classic BattleTech, uh, but not necessarily being. Uh, um, driven by any particular mechanics. And I think, you know, this was later on the list, but we'll, we can just go ahead and dive in. Hop in now, really man. Quick, but <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the initiative system was the first and biggest thing that we prototyped by far, uh, because tabletop battle tech has a, has a really clever, uh, sequence of events. Everyone moves, uh, per different initiatives and then, uh, and then shooting happens simultaneously, uh, which is really dramatic when you're around the table. Um, but in our some of our really early prototypes where we did try more simultaneous resolution of action, uh, you just you don't get the the understanding of what's going on or the drama. Um, you know, I, I think it was important, like for me early on, that we establish the right. Uh, really visceral action for mechs on screen because you know you're you're paying to see these giant mechs uh, uh, and to command these giant mechs on the battlefield and and take attacks against enemies and and when we tried to to cue all that up in a simultaneous uh, system it, in a video game like you lost some of the cause and effect like it wasn't I'm shooting right now and it feels awesome. It was like, well, I'm planning an attack and then I'm watching all this stuff happen. Um, so Mike, if you don't mind, could you in about 10 seconds or less tell everybody what, like describe like how, how it plays out on the game. Like, cause like, I think like, we all know what you're talking about, but if you could just, uh, I think most people are kind of familiar with like in turn-based games, like there's like, you know, for lack of a better term, an initiative or action point system, like some units or type of units, they, they, have higher levels of action they can do in a given turn and and there's all obvious you know different perks or whatever things that you can gain action points or or initiative through could you describe very briefly how it works in your game in battletech yeah absolutely uh and um sorry for going into the deep end there uh, oh, no 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 it's it's cool trust me it's most of the people that's going to listen to this will know exactly what you're talking about anyway we're just trying to cover <laughs> the five that don't uh, i try to context shift and every now and then <laughs> like yeah well tabletop you know because you know tabletop i know tabletop so uh i i guess if you're listening to this uh um uh yeah no so um so in our game uh 
the the solution we ended up with is a, a what we call an interleaved initiative system. And so the way that works is a turn-based uh, game, and and each unit has an action, and when that unit gets to go is determined by its initiative. So there's five initiative phases in BattleTech: five, four, three, two, one. Uh, in phase five is when units with an initiative of five go. Uh, those are usually, or I'll start with four actually, it's simpler. Um, uh, so light mechs have the highest initiative, so they'll go first. And within that first phase, uh, light mechs on your team and the enemy team will alternate uh, their actions. And then and we move down to phase three, uh, where medium mechs typically go, uh, and medium mechs will alternate. Then phase two, heavy mechs, phase one, assaults, uh, and uh, assaults are the heaviest mechs in Battletech. Uh, and that basically reflects their um, their inertia. So heavy mechs are up to 100 tons, so they're not as quick to, you know, their reflexes of the pilots basically are slower because they're moving all that metal around. Right. Um, and so the thing that makes our system unique is it, it's not unlike uh, D&D, like third edition D&D, you, uh, you could reserve an action. Uh, and and so our it's a little bit like that. So any any mech in a higher phase does not have to go. You can choose to reserve your mechs to a lower phase, um, and so that gives the the lighter mechs on the battlefield some more versatility in how they can act. Uh, like you can reserve all the way down to the end of one round, uh, and then you can immediately act at the beginning of uh, of the next round, for example. That's that's actually so. When I refer to this as kind of a novel approach, uh, I have not seen that in a uh, translated very well into a into a video game. It's usually a very simple, kind of like I described, a very very vanilla and well understood mechanic. But one of the things that, that uh, the way you guys did it, uh, and I was kind of I, I, so playing it in beta, I was very in interested in seeing how this was going to work. What it allows you to do is make some really deep tactical choices about surge activities. So you can, you know, you could sort of accrue uh, initiative or action points, for lack of a better term, and then spend them or utilize them in a way that really puts yourself into in a, into a serious position of advantage if you've been able to engineer the scenario well. Uh, so that from that angle, I would, you know, like I said, I. I was kind of curious to see how how it would go. So I remember watching the the, uh, the stream Q and A where you guys tried to describe it, and I could kind of get it, but I, I, like until I played it, I didn't understand it very well. Uh, but, but now I'm starting to figure out there's a lot of cool cool things you can do with it, and I do I, I kind of like it. Cool. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, uh, it, it is tough to describe, uh, and you know it took some iterations in game to to communicate it. Uh, better as well, and you know, honestly, I think there's there's still probably more we could do to to move players towards uh, uh, using the reserve system and understanding it deeper. Uh, but I think it, it's definitely an edge, right? Like you learn it over time uh, as you are, and, and the more you the more you get to know it by doing it, uh, the more you realize the sorts of uh, tactical options it opens up. So uh, uh, that part I really like. No man, I'm 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 kind of digging it in terms. Of, like I said, that was a good that was a good example of a real positive uh, tabletop to to video kind of translation. So um, one of the interesting things I was you know I kind of joked about like the ruthless RNG a little while ago. Uh, a lot of the HBS games you guys can make, you know, they're not like you know you're 
not like a bunch of candy men, you know, ha- handing out like marshmallows and like, you know, e- easy wins to anybody. Uh, we, like I said, we had a lot of fun with Necropolis, a lot of very frustrating moments with Necropolis. Um, and even Shadowrun, like on a, even a fairly normal difficulty level, those, there'll be some pretty, pretty significant moments in there that you've got to really put your thinking hat on to get through. Uh, I found Battletech very much in that same vibe. I was kind of curious though, uh, is there a, like, I, if there is, I haven't seen, it. is there a way to adjust the difficulty level in the game? Uh, and have you guys thought about a tactical versus economic difficulty like how those two play off each other. Like, cause you can, I have found myself getting into this point where you're, you're the economic side can get just out of whack enough that you can't really field mechs that, that can be viable in one of your next fights. Yeah. Uh, so right now there's no difficulty settings. Um, this is, uh, uh, something that we, we actually just announced, uh, sort of a, a uh, first look at what's next for Battletech. Uh, we posted on our Kickstarter and, and our uh, game forums, but uh, granular difficulty settings are something that we're going to be looking at for our first update to the game, uh, which is the June-July sort of time frame. Uh, and that's... Okay. Uh, yeah, XCOM does this, uh, I think, these days. It's it's not just like a, a global, easy, medium, hard setting, but it's uh, it's the ability to... Uh, calibrate different areas of the game uh, or to customize them to your liking. Uh, so a good example is like right now, um, uh, mechs take three parts to complete. Uh, and maybe there's a, uh, I'm speculating not to, uh, we haven't started <laughs> on this yet, but, but maybe there's a difficulty setting that moves it up to five, right? So it's okay. five parts to complete a mech and you've made your game harder uh, in that way. So I think that that's kind of our first uh, salvo there is just we want to give users more uh, more of these kind of levers to fine tune the experience. Uh, as far as high level difficulty, you know, we we sort of steered away from that for the initial launch and we felt like one of the interesting things about the mercenary uh, simulation nature of the game is is you do get to see the difficulty of missions that that are coming up that you're uh, pitting your company against. And so there's, you know, there's oh, this yeah. element of choice <laughs> there where if you're more patient, you can you can advance uh, a bit slower and safer uh, if you're. Uh, always in a hurry and, and spending all your money on new toys like I am, uh, then you can find yourself in trouble uh, a little more often. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. It can get pretty sporty, and I found myself going back to uh, an older save file at one point. <laughs> yeah, it can, uh, especially as you're um, getting out of the early game and, and sort of scaling up to the mid game. Uh, it can be. Uh, harrowing sometimes that that's that's a great that's a great way to describe it and, and that and the fact that I, I mean some of the some of the missions are are fairly long or they can they can be anyway so you guys i mean that that's one of those things that we were kind of talking about in terms of like you know sort of that player player level commitment per gaming session um i think i think i clocked a couple of them in and around the 45 minute mark or so maybe a little longer um yeah, that sounds about right and that's you know that that that's that's the the one part where you'll occasionally get the uh, you know you get through like a 40 45 minute you know fairly significant slugfest and you're like I don't I don't know that I made any money off that in fact I think I lost money <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no like uh, overall I think it's a, it's a really cool 
kind of push pull kind of thing with the tactical side, you know, that sort of, uh, you know, turn-based tactical, like a very, very deep tactical gameplay, by the way, and just in terms of how it can play out and the RPG elements that you guys have added, the customization, uh, all those are different layers that gives you just deep gameplay. Uh, you know, only occasionally, occasionally, not always, but occasionally you get stung by your own, like I said, your own impatience uh, with, boy, I really would like that grasshopper. Yeah, it doesn't always work. <laughs> Grasshoppers are mech, by the way. So, for again, for the five people that don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so, um, we, we do have a list of kind of some nut and bolt questions that, that we would like to get to. I'll kind of more or less kind of go through them kind of rapid fire to correct, make sure we get it, get them to them. Uh, we did talk about the initiative system, which I think was probably one of the, one of the more unique offerings. There's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of other uh, kind of games in this space. XCOM is probably the most well-known that, that kind of follow this thing. Uh, but there's a ton of different games that sort of follow this style of turn-based tactical gameplay. Um, so one of the things that we did want to talk about, which is kind of, I think one of the, the sort of the stars of your game is the Argo. That's uh, basically the more or less the hub that you work out of for the game. How did you guys come up with the concept of the Argo having that, you know, sort of that uh, fairly unique space station, spaceship, jump ship hub uh, that you work out of? Like, how did you guys arrive at that versus maybe doing it on a planet or, you know, not even really having a hub, just having a series of UIs. How did you guys conceptualize the Argo and what are kind of a couple of things that some play that a lot of players may not know about it yet that you would like them to know about it? Mm. Um, I think form followed function in a lot of ways. We uh, really wanted to get that. So uh, I guess I'll back up. So A, just like uh, commanding your own mercenary company is a big part of the core fantasy. And, and so we really wanted to give players that freedom of agency to travel uh, around this, this star map on their own. You know, there's an element of, uh, of Firefly, you know, in that respect. Uh, and so we felt like a, a spaceship was definitely the right way to go to, to get that that sense of uh, freedom uh, into the game. Uh, as far as arriving at the Argo, you know, we looked at uh, Battletech has a lot of dropships, jump ships, and, and it's a cool kind of ecosystem that's uh, uh, that has some. I'm not going to go so far as to call it hard sci-fi, but it's uh, uh, it's hardened sci-fi at least. Like there's <laughs> nice, uh, you know, like they, they have a thrust-based gravity and and these jump ships have to be a, a far enough out of the gravitational well of, of a planet before they can make a jump. And, and so there's all this sort of material to draw from. Um, but the idea for the Argo came about is, you know, in, in Battletech lore, uh, drop ships la uh, land on planets. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're basically ferrying uh, units to and from jump ships that are, you know, uh, out, far enough outside of the gravity well into the planet and landing. And, and we really wanted to, to be able to have an orbital base. And, and so this is where the idea of the Argo kind of came about as this experimental uh, Star League era ship that, that we would create. Um, and so the first thing that I, I you know, I, I was trying to come up with a design that uh, A, fit the Battletech aesthetic of, of what had come before and, and Again, that sort of hardened sci-fi, sh spaceships aren't sleek and sexy kind of uh, aesthetic, um, and then also trying to figure out 
the gravity of it. And uh, I was, I was like, we were playing with the uh, paper cups at the office to try <laughs> to figure out how that ring would work. And I was like, oh, well, it could fold up. And if it folds up, then, then the, you know, all the decks are oriented uh, down towards the engine. So, uh, so it can be under gravity while it's underway and then deploy the ring and, and that, uh, like I said, I forget exactly how that came about, but I was literally, literally playing with paper cups on the floor trying to come up with a cool design for a while. Um, <laughs> and then like, hey, whatever works, man. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then we took that into 3D and, and worked it up and, and, uh, and yeah. Okay. Uh, so I guess that's the long and short of it. All right. No, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty down for that. So like I said, it was a, it's a really, really neat kind of idea in terms of like, you know, just using it as a mission hub and it's pretty well, pretty well well uh kitted out so to speak for all of your mercenary needs i, I suspect uh it actually believe it or not uh as i dip back into the battletech lore it reminds me a lot of the hephaestus that um that the wolf's dragoons had all right. oh. so if you it, it it sounds like it has a lot of those capabilities uh is you know just based on you know what i remember from the old source book and some of the um uh, some of the novels, like the God, who was it? Uh, I think it was the, the Charette novels. Very cool. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I think you're you're ahead of me on BattleTech novels. Uh, we do yeah. have a, a several fans here at the office, though. No, no, that, that's 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 no drama. By the way, the writing, the story is pretty pretty on point. Who is the who is your who's your lead writer? Uh, Andrew McIntosh is our. Uh, that's is right. Our, yeah, he uh, he worked on Shadowrun Dragonfall and Shadowrun Hong Kong as well. Yeah, yeah, tip the cap to him. It's, it's, he's he's pretty good at uh, you know actually weaving a, a neat little story throughout this. By the way, awesome. Yeah, I'll pass that along. Good deal. Um, so a couple, you know, we kind of talked about you know sort of the game, sort of the time commitment uh, per player uh, in terms of a general gaming session. So we kind of we've kind of dealt with this in a couple other games that we've talked to some folks about. Um, and one of the ideas that developers have given us is that th there's a sort of an idea in their head of what a, a play session will be like, or how long an average play session will be. Uh, some are, you know, kind of approach it in the way of like, yeah, you should be playing, you know, it's like a three or four hour marathon or however all night till your, you know, Mountain Dew runs out. And then others have a much more granular kind of feel for how, like how long a mission is or kind of what that commitment is. And like I said, yeah, I, my rough, you know, beer math tells me it's, you know, between 40 and 45 minutes, for, you know, on a little bit of the longer end, probably you know, more like 25 minutes down on the shorter end. Um, one of the things that, that is a kind of a, a staple in a lot of these, you know, sort of turn-based games is sort of the ability to speed time up. So not really making changes to the initi initiative, but like literally just almost like just animation speed, speed. Um have you guys, is there a way to do that? Or have you guys thought about that of like almost like a 2X or 3X speed button where it just sort of accelerates some of the, the way the game plays just to kind of help uh, kind of make it a little bit more efficient to get more playthroughs in a, in a given session? Uh, yeah, we're definitely doing that. Uh, there, I think there people have already found ways to sort of hack uh hack that in through some of our developer tools uh that's not officially supported because i i can't speak to how stable that is but uh but we're definitely going to be adding a uh, official support for for speed up in our first update here um and you know i, I think we knew that 
the game was going to feel slow to some. I think that the amount of that feedback that we got was, uh, was you know, there's quite a bit of it, and that's uh, especially people playing the game over time. And so we look at that and, and we say, yeah, of course we should add an option. And uh, and we're looking at ways to do that right now. And, and you know, whether that's just a straight uh, speed up on everything or, or we look at other ways to sort of bring the, the combat time in, that's definitely okay. a high priority for our first update. Yeah, no, I mean, that's like from a, a, like just a pure mechanical standpoint, that was one of the very few things that, um, that at least I noticed in, in playing playing it that I kind of wish was different, which was, like I said, just the option to, to kind of move it along faster, once, particularly once you kind of get the, after the first mission, first couple, three missions, it, you know, it's, you're like, all right, I, I really want to get more into this. And you, yeah, you yeah, know, that, you know the drill. And... Yeah, it's, it, it, you know, that would probably be the one mechanical thing. The other one uh, that we kind of noticed when we were going through it, um, the cinematic camera angles that you guys take can be really good. And occasionally you'll you'll stare at a mountain while your missiles land. You know? <laughs> but yeah. that being said, I, overall it, it's uh, it lends itself to like some neat sort of uh, you know we call them like photo capture moments, basically, where you're you get that heat that just perfect barrage of missiles that comes like over cover and you know like splashes a mech or something like that, or the a beautifully timed DFA and the cameras following the action. I think that that works out really well. Um, is that something you guys were, were intentionally trying to go for? Those like real cinematic sort of um, like you know, kind of adrenaline moments, or did that just sort of happen as you were letting the game flow and you're like, hey, how do we how do we highlight these for the player? Uh, yeah, you know, it was really iterative. Uh, our our gameplay engineer was able to add a lot more of that sort of camera support uh, uh, towards the end of the development cycle. Um, we were. Uh, really just looking for ways to show the scale of the mechs and make the action feel uh, as dramatic as we could uh, you know the, uh, and then obviously exposing all that as user settings was another important part of that because I think we know that different people have have very different preferences for that and, and sometimes your preferences may change you know you've after you've played 20 missions maybe you, you want to lower some of those settings and uh, uh, and get on with it. So that's, uh, that's totally cool too. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, so that was just sort of a natural evolution of, well, how can we, how can we make the presentation of this, uh, richer and, and, and more dramatic? Yeah. The, one of the, one of the things that I noticed that you guys did, that was a very, very true translation from the tabletop is like I said, that that's sort of like, uh, uh, demonic RNG that y you guys have baked in. <laughs> I, I don't know how you did it, but like, I, I'm not sh I'm not sure how inaccurate some of the weapons are that I'm using, but I I'm about to fire half of my pilots and find new people because they can't hit shit. So <laughs> <laughs> that that being said, that that is one of the things that um, like I, I don't know that I really I, I don't think that's even necessarily a, like a, a critique to change, but it is it very much recalls these moments of like pouring dice out on the table and you're like, wow. Karma is not working for you today. Oh um, yeah, I know. Yeah, and, and you go through like these, you know, these. What you think is this, uh, this like absolute beautiful stratagem of getting all your people in the right spots. You got like the your one light mech like actually spotting things well, and you're just ready to, you know, as they say, unleash hell. And then it, you you whiff. Um, th that I, I've seen a few comments where that's frustrating people. I actually, you know, like I said, because I'm kind of an old school like dice guy 
I'm to, I'm kind of into that. Uh, how, have you guys, how did you guys like look at some of those kind of elements? Like, do you weight things like, Hey, if the player has actually positioned themselves well, they get advantage to get more and more advantages. Or did you just want to kind of like truly play it? Like just, you know, sort of straight RNG coming off the tabletop. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had some back and forth on on it over the last two and a half years, but I think ultimately RNG is pretty uh, uh, baked. It, it, it's a part of the BattleTech experience. So true, very true. Way of putting it, like, you know, sometimes you'll just get that headshot, you know, like two rounds into the mission, and then we'll just like, well, I guess that's that's how it goes. Um, and you know, there, there's some drama and there's some there's some excitement in that too. Uh, when we were iterating on our combat mechanics, I think the main thing that we tried to do was uh, strengthen the mechanical advantages and disadvantages that players could get uh, enough to sort of uh, tip those scales a little bit more towards the player without removing that uh, that RNG drama. So things like our, uh, our, our movement, our evasive uh, charges system where... Um, you know, in BattleTech, the farther you move, the harder you are to hit. And so we've, right. we've in tabletop, right? So we've carried that idea over, but um, tried to emphasize it a little bit more. Um, or uh, ride cover in forests, and and if you take a if you take a, a brace action instead of attacking, you can uh, receive half damage. So we we try to to build those things up so that you have more control on a, on a turn-to-turn basis of how you're either optimizing for the damage you will be dealing or, or mitigating the damage you'll be receiving. And at the end of the day, you can do all that and still uh, be made or, or broken by a, by a die roll. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's always been kind of, uh, I think, in the DNA of what we're making. Okay. Hey, that, that's, that's pretty cool. One, you know, one of our kind of a, uh, um... Uh, other shots we had by the way big kudos to the uh to the customization options um that, that you have in the game either either for the mechs or kind of like i said that kind of rpg tone that you have for the pilots um can you talk a little bit about when you know like as you're looking at creating a game uh, particularly a game like this how do you you know how do you how do you approach giving the players actual agency, you know, as that mech commander? Like, what are what are the things that were most important to you in terms of that, like, uh, you know, that vision for, like, maybe not the visceral in the cockpit pilot feel, but, like, what it's like to run this company, own, you know, own this, this kind of effort uh, of a um, mercenary lance. How did you go about giving players agency and how important was that to you in the original design goals? Uh, that's hugely important. I mean, that uh, again, that that fantasy of of running a, a mercenary company is really at the heart of uh, of the game. Uh, and you know, c- going back to what we were talking about with the Argo, like I think that that's part of the reason why we we spent all this time creating. Here's the ship and and how it works, and here's all the interiors. And you know, we really didn't want management to just turn into to to playing spreadsheets. You know, um, but. Uh, uh, yeah, building up the identity of the company was really important to us, uh, giving you some customization options and uh, um, just uh, opportunities to express your uh, 
style of mercenary, I guess, in the story. And and so one of the big differences between Battletech and Shadowrun is, is Shadowrun is an RPG and it's all about branching narrative choice. And Battletech is not an RPG, so the campaign itself is is a linear campaign. And, and the choices you make in Battletech are about uh, your management of the company. It's it's who you're firing and hiring. It's uh, where what missions you're deciding to take and where you're traveling and uh, and and so and how you're choosing uh, so there's events that come up over the course of the game uh, that involve either your mech warriors or your your company in some way and and you get to choose sort of how you want to arbitrate those events which is everything from mech warriors getting into a fight to uh, getting approached by a strange uh, black market opportunity and uh, just things that can come up in the day-to-day operation of a of a mercenary company and uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, kind of a rambling answer, but I, I think it's just we kept on trying to hit that from as many angles as possible, you know? Yeah, I, I think you guys, I, like I said, I, I think you struck a, a pretty good tone with it. Uh, that's a great uh, sort of uh, juxtaposition to Shadowrun in terms of like the styles of games. Because, you know, on the surface, you know, tabletop, turn-based, you know, kind of sort of the same, but it's really that start point of like what you were going for. And I, I think you, I, I think you explained that pretty well. Um, one of the things that, that I did pick up and, and I, and it's obviously no secret, you guys have have a great partnership with Piranha in terms of like uh, some of the assets that you used and uh, different things like that. Can you talk a little bit about how that, that kind of relationship worked out with the mech warrior guys? Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, we love working with the, the, the mechs that they've designed for, for, MechWarrior Online and and for this world are just fantastic. So, being able to build uh, on their on their shoulders, as it were, was was just uh, an incredible leg up for our art uh, development of the of the title. Um, and that all came about uh, right, you know, before we kickstarted. Uh, Jordan had worked that out with Russ over at Piranha, um, and uh, and and we've been up there a couple times to chat and. and uh, for them to sort of uh, show us how all their stuff set up, and yeah, they're a great group of guys and uh, um, uh, uh, developers, and uh, it was really cool to to work with their their mechs. So yeah, it's I'm uh, looking forward to MechWarrior Five. Yeah, there you go. The uh, it's it's pretty interesting because like I I don't I, I there's not a whole lot of examples where like two different studios like were like literally just like. Hey man, can I can I share your assets and and work in this shared world like that? Like, you rarely see that, I think, and and a lot of that I, I suspect is being driven by the type of companies that Piranha and HBS is, and, and probably bridged by you know Obi Wan Wiseman that are you know probably helping <laughs> yeah. that out. And but I think the, you know I think it's a rising tide floats all boats kind of thing. Hopefully too, right? It, it well, creates yeah, some brand absolutely. continuity, and and uh, and I think that. That in success, that uh, people that liked BattleTech will, will enjoy MechWarrior Five and vice versa. I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, because you really you're talking about like it, you could quite literally have a scenario where um, I mean, I'm certainly not scheming this one, but um, you could see the mission that you run in BattleTech turn-based with your lance. You could do that exact same mission literally in the cockpit as a Mech Warrior. Uh, you know, just it's literally just a matter of perspective in terms of like how you want to consume the game. And I think, I think that's a, that's a pretty cool kind of touch, by the way, the customization option on the mechs, I was really surprised how deep you guys were, were allowing some of that to happen. I actually originally thought it was just going to be like, 
the stock like 3025 technical readout max only and there was not a lot of variation but you guys that that's kind of cool the little loadout system you guys worked out that's actually really you know allows you to get a little bit creative it's kind of cool i like that oh uh, thanks yeah i i mean i think uh mech customization has been a staple of so many mech games the the you know we, we felt like we really had to dive into that and try to do it right and um you know, the first time I played through the campaign from start to end, uh, I guess, was a few months ago now. But but I think that was really the thing that stood out to me most was just how fun it was for me to manage my mechs over time and, yeah. and try out new loadouts, realize, oh, that's <laughs> I shouldn't try to put a, uh, a an AC-10 on that mech. It's, it's, it doesn't work. Uh, oh, or, come on. Or, you know, Everybody likes more PPCs, right? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That was my uh, when I played MechWarrior 2 back in the day. I, I I was what like 12 or something, and I was just putting PPCs on everything. I, I did not understand that there was more to the game than that, and I I couldn't figure out why I always shut down in the middle of mission. No, that's it's 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 a lot of fun to kind of play that way. I'm a huge fan of the Shadowhawk 2K by the way. Just basically slapping in a, a PPC instead of an AC10. Huge, huge oh, fan. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Shadowhawk's really uh, versatile. That was actually that was my go-to mech. Uh, that and the Phoenix Hawk, long, like uh, many, 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 many years ago. Mostly because they they looked mostly like the Robotech, uh, like uh, mechs that I I remember when I was a kid watching that series. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, all right. So I got So you mentioned a couple times that you've got you guys have already. I guess a um, you know patch is probably the wrong. Maybe I don't know if that's the right term, but you got a uh, in, in the next month or two. A, kind of a uh, a, a mid stride kind of hot update or hot fix to some things. Can you hit some of the highlights? Of what do you guys think? What do you think, or you, you know you're going to have in, or what do you think? Some of the things you're targeting for, kind of those initial updates for uh, BattleTech for all the folks that are uh, kind of getting their hands on the game now. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, uh, over the course of development really uh, talked about how. We don't, you know, we didn't want launch to be the end of this road. We we've always seen uh, launch as sort of the the birth of this uh, product that we would then be able to continue to grow and and uh, make bigger and better uh, over time. So so we're actually really excited to dive into uh, continuing development for the game now that it is out. Uh, and, and initially that means uh, we've we put a, a couple of patches out last week. Uh, to address some some uh, compatibility issues that that's uh, a small set of users were having, uh, we're looking at trying to continue to clean up that sort of uh, bug fix and uh, stuff like that as uh, as it comes up. Uh, and then over time, uh, we're looking at free updates to the game, uh, like we've talked about a little bit here. Our first update, uh, among other things, we're looking at uh, speed up acceleration, uh, granular difficulty modes for the game, uh, stuff like that. And then after that, you know, we'd lo- we, we intend to do more updates over time. We'd love to do like a larger paid content expansion as well at some point. Uh, but right now we're focused on sort of that immediate uh, reaction to both uh, launch issues and uh, and then to to react to some of that feedback we were talking about uh, in our first update. All right, no, that that, so- that sounds like a plan. So, all right, so we got two thing two kind of things left uh, in in the discussion, and this is usually the fun part. So, uh, the first one uh, talk a little bit about kind of 
sort of an expansion of what you just said, sort of like a, what what might the future for HBS look like? By the way, we hold you to none of this, and we acknowledge <laughs> that, that anything that you say is purely uh, speculative and perhaps the subject of, you know, some sort of alcoholic product you may or may not have had later. Um, and, then, and then the kind of the, the last thing before we kind of close the show, we'll kind of do a lightning round with a bunch of different uh, like uh, quick answer questions. And, you know, one of those answers fast as you can, because it'll make your answers yeah. probably more fun. So fun. what do you, th- and just in terms of the future of Battletech, like if you, if you were to, and, and again, I'm, I, I, we joke about it because we know, uh, you know, it's really hard for, for you guys to some kind of sometimes speculate publicly about about a, a product or a game. But what is your your long term? Um, like, if you had like, hey, everything is aces and is working well, what would you really like to see down? You know, like maybe a year from now, or maybe like two years from now, in terms of uh, the BattleTech world. Uh, well, I think there's a really obvious answer to that. Yeah. Um, where, having, uh, having two years on the road. <laughs> well, no, I mean, uh, I, I think we, a lot of people here and, and a lot of fans would really love to see us do, do the clans and the clan invasion and, and everything that goes True. along with that. By the way, I'm Finally really glad you guys did not put game. that in. Very glad you guys did not put that in. The <laughs> well, yeah, we, we felt like we wanted to start at the start as it were. And, and, uh, I think the 3025 setting, uh, of Battletech had a lot to offer for us. That sort of every, uh, these houses are all ground down and everything's sort of at its lowest technological point. I think that was, that was a really cool setting to, to work with. And, and now we can sort of build up from there in success. So, so I think that's exactly where, uh, in that rosy future, we would love to go, right? is a, moving the timeline forward and, and there's some really exciting stuff in Battletech that happens like the the fourth succession war is about to start uh followed yep. by that uh clan invasion and and everything that that goes into that obviously lots of new mechs and factions and, and all that good stuff so um yeah we we would love to have that opportunity someday okay all right so so we were always joking about this what this is no plan for loot boxes in the game there's no plan for loot boxes in the game Thank you very much. We appreciate that. We ask yep. that of everybody that comes on. Lightning the- round <laughs> answer number one. <laughs> no, that, that's that's pretty close, actually. Uh, all right. So what are your top three favorite games of all time? Uh, Planescape Torment, Deus Ex, and, uh, well, shit, those two are easy. Um, I don't know. Beyond Good and Evil. Ooh. You went into the Wayback Machine with that one. So, by the way, you're a gentleman and a scholar for the first two. For, uh, for the third one. Uh, I don't know. It's a little shaky. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm sure if I took more time, I could come up with something else. No, no, that, that's that's actually pretty good, though, man. All right, so give us your best Mitch Gilliman impression. Oh, oh, geez, I don't know. Um, I think I'd have to have more whiskey for that one. <laughs> okay, touche, good sir. All right, I kind of, I kind of like it. Uh, all right, so what is your most favorite mech in the game as it stands right now? Like. No, no mods, just straight out of the box. Uh, I love the Thunderbolt when I'm playing. Uh, it's it's a solid all-around mech, and it can uh, deal some damage on the battlefield. Uh, just uh, my favorite mech is the Atlas, still though, uh, because of the iconic skull design and and just how well that worked out for branding for the game. <laughs> okay, yeah. By the way, that's the uh, that's the little banner that I that I got in the little Kickstarter backer uh, thing. Was the 
like the mercenary mech one. Oh, cool. Yeah. So my my nine year old quickly appropriated that. So he has all of the, your your Kickstarter backer stuff. By the way, he owns all my shit. So <laughs> it's, it's just how it worked out. Well, um, time to get home. All right. So what's your least favorite mech in the game? Oh. This is the one that we know we're not going to pick because you've you're obviously like, bugged it. <laughs> you're, you're asking him, like, what's his least favorite child? That's that's hard. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, that's no, no, mean. No, 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 I'm telling you, he's got one because I'm sure that's the one that I'm playing, like, earlier today that was missing every shot. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, least favorite mech. Uh, you know, to be honest, I don't love that blackjack you start with. Uh, as soon as I get yeah, something yeah. better, I usually replace it. Like, I, I like that it's our starter mech, but, uh, yeah, and, you know... Doesn't have arms. I like mechs with arms. Yeah, no, I'll buy that. Okay, I'm I'm pretty pretty okay with that. Okay, so what game do you most want made that isn't made yet? Like, it could be any property, a different IP or something. What what is a game that you have not seen yet that you really wish somebody would make? Hmm. I don't know how to quickly answer that question. Well, uh, you can, you can take this house all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. Well, I, I, uh, Breath of the Wild was one of my favorite games of the last like five years. So, Ooh, wow. uh, more of that, I guess. I, I, I want to just go back and play more of that, but uh, I beat it all, so I can't. So, what? No, did you like the Zelda Linky stuff in it, or did you like the just the open world kind of vibe of the game? Just the open world, like there's just so much to do, and it was so well designed to like open up and just give me this sense of exploration. That uh, yeah, it kept me coming back for more. Okay, do you like a very well curated and sculpted single player campaign, or do you like the super open ended, uh, but quote unquote well done uh, open world game? You know, something like uh, you know, Breath of the Wild be, would be an example. Uh, Oblivion would be another example, things like that. What, which one do you kind of prefer, or do you have a preference? Usually, I prefer the curated campaign. Uh, Zelda and Sleeping Dogs are the two big exceptions of of game open world games that I've loved. Okay, all right, no, that's that's a good one because we we actually had a debate on the show uh, if there's like a like too many too many open world games right now. <laughs> there's a lot, right? Like I keep on uh, uh, The Witcher Three keeps on coming up on my Steam sales or whatever, and I'm just like ah, but I don't think I have I, like a thousand hours for yeah, you. Sorry. That's the problem is like you can't like it's almost daunting to to jump into some of them. But it's uh, the other thing that we've noticed is that open world also means like less quality per per session usually usually not yeah. all the time but usually yeah I, I think that's what really got me with zelda is each session I, I found something exciting to do and i, I just I, I didn't feel like it it made those sacrifices that a lot of other games do okay all right so continuing on why do you guys hate consoles <laughs> uh I, I was for the record i was one of the guys on your forums that continually asked like when is this coming to the playstation 4 and then you, yeah, you occasionally I, get angry Mitch going, it's not. <laughs> uh, in success someday, I would love to to do console games personally. I, I think a lot of people would love to bring Battletech to console as well. I don't think we have that option in our uh, rights right now, if I understand correctly. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it'd be cool. I think that I think that'd be pretty bomber if you guys are if well, my perfect game in all honesty is like if if you guys in Piranha made a single game where you could toggle between modes where you could literally in the cockpit uh, for one mission or you could choose to do it RTS like I like if you could fit like 
I don't know how you hybrid that together. There's probably beyond the technical challenges, like a zillion legal things that, that go on with that. But that would be in my world, pretty, pretty, pretty well done. I know, by the way, if you can kind of pull in Andrew, your writer and have him team up with, uh, you know, probably the guys that did God of War, uh, like if you could make a, like that single player campaign, that's like my perfect game. So just throwing that out there. Yeah. Sounding like the, uh, infinity war of video game projects. Ah, God, I hope not, but yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. All right, man. So we, we've, we've held you for quite, quite a while. Um, we greatly appreciate your time and it's been a lot of fun. Like we, we always have a lot of, a lot of fun with you guys. Um, at, at some point, I'm going to engage you guys about asking your your uh, your writer Andrew to come on because, like, we've had a lot of different folks from different walks of game development on. Um, you know, from the more generalists, uh, you know, like mostly game you know game director type type folks. Um, what we've We're not actually had, uh, well, you know, you never know. But what we've <laughs> not actually had is like you know some of the more uh, you know, the folks that are more narrative driven in terms of that. Um, like the actual storytellers. And that's that's one of the things that's like on our wish list to, to give us a couple of those guys on one day. So I may have to ping you and Mitch about asking him to come on if he's if he's willing to do that. I've heard him oh, talk. Yeah, about I, I, he would love stream. to, yeah. Just okay. uh, get us some mail and we'll, we'll set it up. Yeah, that'd be great, man. So As I um, volunteer him without asking him. It's okay. I, I've seen, like I said, I've seen some of your Q&As and it doesn't like, it's not like he doesn't like to talk. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but like I said, you, you guys have always been, uh, uh, really quality, uh, game makers and storytellers generally, uh, in, in that term. And we always like your products. Uh, and that's one of the reasons Thanks. we reached out to you guys and, and wanted to, another touch with harebrain schemes. And like I said, uh, looking at and watching Battletech over the, uh, you know, what, almost three years it took you guys from start to finish for the game, right? Yeah, just about uh, about two and a half years of, of actual development, but uh, pre-production, like the the very first image that I painted for uh, for the pitch was was exactly three years ago uh, this month. So that three-year process, um, one of the things that that we've you know you guys kind of rank up there in term we you know in terms of our in, we don't really have a running list or anything, but. Um, when we watch how you guys operate very publicly and very in a very transparent way, and then the the type of products that you put out, you know, we we kind of talk about you guys in the same breath that we talk about, you know, folks like Blizzard, which is literally at the opposite end of the scale in terms of like, you know, game game studios, but it's really about your commitment to your customers and and sort of really you know, customers are strong word, just like the folks that you bring in to share your game world with. Um, there just happens to be some financial components to it, but you guys do a great job. <laughs> and one of the things we've noticed that, that's, uh, that's consistent with every, every company that we tend to, to really enjoy their games. It's that culture of the game studio. So we wanted to give you guys kudos, uh, for Battletech. It's a fantastic, uh, fantastic gaming experience. Uh, overall, uh, and this is our hot review, by the way, live and in color with, uh, with the creative director of, uh, of Battletech, uh, you know, Jay's hot review is I would say I'd probably give you guys somewhere around a 7.8 or an 8 out of 10 uh, in terms of what you guys actually brought to the table, uh, the way you've actually translated a classic tabletop to the actual you know, digital medium of today. It's been uh, a very, very good experience. Very deep gameplay, very deep tactical gameplay. A very challenging game, uh, and there's a there's a couple rough edges that have to be you know kind of sanded down here and there. We talked talked about a couple of them with 
kind of time, you know, sort of time management, things like that. Uh, but overall, really, really fun game. Really fun game. If you are a fan of the Battletech universe, this is a great homage to that. Uh, and you will enjoy this game. If you like the lore of Battletech, there is a lot of it. And it's not just rehash. You guys actually went to the trouble of like fleshing out some new corners of the Battletech world. Uh, and did a really good job of it, by the way. So thank overall, you. I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying thank you. Uh, we'll take that. And, you know, we really appreciate the support. And, and you know, we're looking forward to continuing to improve and build on the game here. So we'll hope to turn that uh, that 7.9 into a 8.5 and a 9. And, oh, and that's, so that's doable. <laughs> I, no, I mean, trust me, this this is one of these things that uh, that we looked at. And just for the record, when we do these kind of uh, these kind of reviews, we actually, like, don't really take into account environmental factors such as, I mean, like I said, you guys are a relatively small, you know, you, you know, sort of indie studio, indie plus studio. Like we don't really account for the difference between a triple A, you know, 600 man team or a, you know, like I said, about a 45 person team like you guys have. We just look at the quality of the game and, and the quality ultimately comes back down into how fun is it to play the game? And did you do what you, you said you were going to do? And from, from that angle, you guys are batting pretty heavy. Well, thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. So uh, real quick, uh, if you had any last minute, sh uh, we're going to go do shout outs around the table real quick. But if you had any kind of last uh, saved rounds or saved comments for, uh, for the team or any of the fans out there, uh, we'll, we'll certainly uh, link this up onto the Battletech uh, forums and hit our social media folks out. Uh, just to kind of spread this around because we really appreciate when you guys come on. But if you have any like last messages for the group before we do shout outs. Uh, yeah, no, just thanks for having me. Uh, it was fun. And uh, we really appreciate your guys' support and everyone out there who's playing the game. Uh, you know, that that's what makes this uh, that's what makes this all tick. So uh, we're very energized by launch and, and looking forward to doing more of it. Um, Sorry for rambling. It's <laughs> no problem. Trust me, we, we've actually had thing. much longer shows than this. Trust me. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, but yeah, and uh, and you know, if you're curious what we're up to next, uh, we did just post an update on the forums and on Kickstarter, uh, sort of talking about what the next few months look like and and what our hopes are after that. So check that out. All righty. Uh, well, we're going to hop into shout outs real quick, and I'm gonna we're gonna pass this around to uh, a couple of folks around, and then. Uh, then we'll hit you up at the very end, Mike. So uh, yeah. let's see. Pokey, any shout-outs for tonight? Yeah, I mean, shout-out to Mike. It was fantastic to have you. We we really love having you guys come on. It's it's always impressive to me when you can have a group of, you know, 35 to 45 people working on a game and produce a product that is of the same quality or higher than a company of hundreds spending hundreds of million dollars on a, on a game. I mean, the, the stuff that you guys put out is fantastic. It's really fun to have and see to have you come on the show and, and have you be here. It's it's humbling in a way. So, you know, we really appreciate you coming on. And so shout out to you, man. Hey, cheers. Legit. Okay. Zell, shout outs. Um, I, I'm going to throw a, a shout out actually. So I, I didn't talk to too much, but I gave a, I gave a try of the game. And uh, one of the things that I then did after trying out Battletech was um, I found a video on uh, YouTube uh, from a guy called Party Elite and, and just kind of some basic tips. Oh um, yeah. His tutorial videos are awesome. We, yeah. We really oh, yeah, yeah, no, we, we like them a lot. 
<laughs> and uh, I, I'll tell you, there was a lot that I that I, you know, really helped me understand some of the stuff that I was not quite sure what I when I initially saw. So I'm, I'm going to throw that one in the show notes, um, because for anyone who's, you know, here, listens to the show, wants to try the game, I recommend the video. Hey, I, I'm going to second that shout out, actually, if you don't mind. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, th- those are some wicked good tutorials. Like, uh, and and it's he does them really well in terms of like, hey, here's some things that that will help you out. Even you know, as you're just now starting to play the game, uh, and, it, and there's certainly no like spoilers, so to speak. But it's really just really good stuff that that really kind of builds along into the game. So, like, really good job there. All right, bait. Hopefully, you've made it home alive. You have any shout outs? Oh yeah, no, 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 I'm home. I'm good. Uh, I, I do want to give a shout out to to, uh, to Mike, you know, for coming on. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, there are a bunch of other things you could have been doing tonight with a, probably other podcasts. I mean, we ain't fucking nobody, so it really is nice to have. Uh, oh, whatever. On. That uh, it's fun to <laughs> so, talk. So this it, is more fun, fun. We're actually all in a bar doing a live one, and because then you can like ha- you can drink and you can really get some good answers out of it. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Um, let's see. Uh, shout out to uh, this little cigar bar that I was at uh, Friday, Friday night. Yeah. Um, the the weather was nice, and you know it was on the beach or whatever. So I went in and, and had a cigar, and and, uh, and that was nice. The people were really good. So shout out to them. Mitchell second that shout out too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, so uh, I will throw a shout out for the evening. Uh, I would like to. Uh, throw a shout out to um, everybody in the Battletech community that actually, all the Kickstarters that actually supported this game. And I know that the folks over at HBS have thanked them profusely, either with in-game stuff and or just, you know, verbally or on, you know, Twitter, stream, all this kind of stuff. It's kind of interesting to see. Uh, I never I never thought that I would get to the point where I would see how you could uh, crowdfund slash uh, assist in the development of a game if only with feedback you know or like hey here's the clamoring and the wishes and desires uh, of a lot of fervent fans and then actually have that very unfocused and very raw sort of uh desire get focused into an actual game the way that uh that that some companies are doing nowadays hbs is a you know, a great example of that so kind of shout out to everybody in the battletech community that uh, that watched this thing kind of you know, go for about the last three years and then kind of culminated with the release of the game, which by the way is, you know, again, highly recommended, really think you should go pick it up on steam. Uh, and it costs how much on steam, Mike? Uh, 39.99. There's a digital deluxe edition. Ah, sorry. I cannot say that digital deluxe edition is 49.99. That comes with the soundtrack, which is over three hours and which is really the, good by the way. It's killer. Yo, John, yeah. John knocked it out of the park. Um, and, uh, and the digital, art book which is 454 pages good god yeah yeah by the by the way no kidding the actual uh the actual soundtrack to this game we, which we did not talk about like uh the sound design generally in the game in terms of uh like all the sound effects the voice acting and and really the musical component of it like the actual soundtrack is absolutely killer absolutely killer it's something it's it, something that you would most likely not think was going to be in a Kickstarter game, but it's wicked good. Yeah, our, our audio team did a bang-up job. We're, it's definitely our, our richest sounding game so far. Okay. All right, man. Uh, so 
since we already hit you up for shout outs and you, you gave us a couple extra plugs, uh, like I said, guys, we really appreciate, uh, you know, hairbrain steam schemes coming on again in the form of the one and only Mr. Mike McCain. Uh, I said, Mr. Nicely. So it's kind of, okay. <laughs> but, but we do, but we, we really like having folks on that, uh, that not only just like talking about their games, just like talking about gaming. Uh, so again, thanks for coming on for about an hour and change or so. So with that, I think we're going to uh, go ahead and bring this episode to a close and we appreciate everybody listening. We'll have this posted up uh, here on the Battletech forums and on our Twitter feed here, probably uh, tonight or we won't have the show up, but we'll certainly let everybody know where to find it here in the next couple of days once we get it out. So if you're listening to this, that means you probably already found it. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yep. No problem. Cool.